You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. everyone. Welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have Camilla of CK Bradley on. I have been a big CK Bradley fan for many years. I love their colorful prints and just the fun way that they celebrate fashion. So I'm really excited to talk with Camilla and learn more about how she got started and sort of what's next for the brand. I think there's nothing more preppy than uh, fun, happy prints. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Uh, my name is Camilla Bradley. I My company is CK Bradley. I started in 1999 in college and 20 something years later, we're still doing it. I design women's dresses, some, some stuff for men and some ski stuff as well. And I live in Newport, Rhode Island and Big Sky, Montana for half the year. Awesome. And I've been a fan of your clothes for many years now. Um, and I was so happy when I was able to go to your Newport store um, for the first time. I guess that was maybe two years ago. Everything blurs together these days. <laughs> I know. It's very true. Yes. So I always like to start at the beginning, though. Um, so what was your childhood like? Were you into fashion back then or oh, design gosh, or entrepreneurial? Not at, yeah, not at – well – I say not at all into fashion. I I was raised by my father okay. and he dressed me in all the clothes that were left behind by my brothers. So my mother and brothers died when I was two and he sort of stopped everything he was doing and, you know, focused on raising a little girl Yeah, and everything that was left behind, you know, were boy sneakers, boy shorts, boy socks. So I was really (laughs) dressed as a boy, which makes a lot of sense when you think of, you know, what I'm doing now. And every now and then I'd have a fairy godmother that would get me a dress and I would just, oh, I mean, I would worship this. And as I got older, everything my mother left behind started you know, I was pretty tall pretty early. It's at 15, I was, you know, almost six feet tall and as was she. So I could start fitting into these clothes, but they were from the seventies and it wasn't really my style. So I would cut them up. She had sewing machines. You know, I think women, mothers in the eighties were, a lot of them were homemakers. Mm-hmm. She had, she made everything. She made curtains, rugs, pillows, dresses. I mean, there wasn't anything that wasn't touched by her hand, it seemed. And my dad didn't touch anything. So when I was of age enough to appreciate or want to learn how to hook a rug or want to learn how to do a mosaic or paint an oil painting or whatever, everything was there and something she'd been working on was half finished. So it was really, it was a really cool way to learn how to do things. It's just trial and error, but you sort of had, you know, an artist before you showing you the way. So Definitely. I would, yeah, I would rip up her Hermes scarves, cut them in half. The 80s, and, not, and actually it was the 90s, really. The 90s, tube skirts were in. So I'd cut these scarves up. I'd sew them back up in the middle, and then I'd wrap them around like a tube skirt with a knot. So the things I ruined are just 
ghastly. <laughs> it was a real shame. But I definitely, you know, I wouldn't say I was into fashion. I was into not wearing boys' clothes. Yeah. So anything. And being creative, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And my father, everything I touched, he'd be like, do you want to start a business? Do you want to sell that? Aww. How do we? So entrepreneurship was, it wasn't even an option. It was, it was in the blood, just like my eyes were blue. And, you know, it was genetic. <laughs> there was no choice. It's like everything I, I would make bracelets and he'd be like, well, let's make a catalog and sell them, you know, wholesale. And then I was like, what? So it was just my DNA. Yeah. Um, that's great that your dad was so entrepreneurial and able to support your entrepreneurial spirit, it sounds like, to, you know, encourage that. Very much so. Yes. So when it came time for college then, where and what did you study? Because I knew you started your business, obviously, in college, but what did you go to college for and where? I went, I started out at Columbia University in New York where I grew up. And that was really just by virtue of my father wanting me close. So it was, you know, just keeping me on a tether. I was there for three years. I studied, I was, I wanted to become an architect. So something creative that I could, you know, sort of touch, mold, grow, you know, change people's experiences. Like that's always been something that I love to do. And I figured architecture was a wonderful way to do it. And so I went to Columbia thinking I'd go to the school of architecture, but then three years in, I was just begging. I think I was begging to go back to high school because I felt like I'd missed out. I skipped my senior year and went right to college. So I was just like, God, get me back. And Trinity (laughs) was the solution. So in Hartford, it was just a, you know, a very closed campus, a beautiful campus. And it felt like high school when I visited it, which is exact, you know, I don't mean the high school probably because it was very different than Columbia. It was smaller. Smaller, Yeah. The constituency of students, everybody looked the same. Whereas at Columbia, I was the only one that looked like I did. You know, it was a very, it was just what I, what I was craving at the time. And I studied art history there. There wasn't an option for architecture. And uh, yeah, that was, and religion, art history and religion. Architecture requires a lot of schooling, like many, many years, I feel like. Um, But so when did you start then your business in college? Like, how did that come about? Well, I really, I I say Trinity did such a good job. They were really uh, allowing, they really allowed me to create my own courses as I got, I think by junior year, I, I had to take art or color. And I asked if I could do my color presentation instead of with paint with grill grain ribbon. And the art professor was like, absolutely. So, and so grill grain ribbon, you know, I'd, I'd really started dreaming it up in my junior year. And my, my, you know, as I went to sleep at night, I'd say, gosh, I don't want to work for anybody else. I'd had an experience that summer, which was not lifeguarding or sailing for the summer. It was a real job in New York City working for a wonderful architecture firm called, um, uh, oh gosh, he's, he's free. I'm forgetting his name. Oh, Rockwell group. And they do the interiors of, I mean, planet Hollywoods and Nobu restaurants, just yeah. really more interior architecture where he's, you know, touching, uh, designing a light and, and how that's going to change somebody's experience in when you're eating sushi. And it does, you know, all these little details. So I loved it, but boy, the nine to five, the getting, it was just not for me. And working for somebody else was not for me, especially since, you know, my dad had taught me that I could, he really, that I could do anything. 
So yeah. it wasn't long before I'd, I'd spent my nights at Trinity thinking, what can I do? What can I do? And I really, I had a lot of grow grain sitting at home for my mother and Preppy was very, very in at Trinity, mm-hmm. which is an extreme difference from Columbia. So <laughs> where Columbia, I, I sort of relished being different in, I would say I was dressed very preppily then. I went to Trinity and I was surrounded by just cookie cutter. You know, everybody was a sheep. Everybody looked the same. Everybody wore the same shoes, the same barber jacket, the same jeans, diesel at the time, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was so, and, and, and like Gucci loafers. It was just a uniform and big <laughs> pearl earrings. And I couldn't be part of it. I was like, oh God, this is what it feels like to look like everybody else. This is awful. <laughs> so I started making the things that I used to love different, right? So I'd find grow grain ribbon from my mother's, you know, supply of whatever and sew it together with a cool buckle that I would find at a hardware store. And people were like, oh my God, where'd you get that? That doesn't look like <laughs> Brooks Brothers. And and I realized that people really wanted what I was making, even though it was really like a poor job of sewing, a poor job, you know, I, I glued part of this stuff together. Yeah. And, and then <laughs> but I it was the look. It was totally the look. And I would glue real grain down my little cashmere sweater because nobody had that. And so all of a sudden I was looking just slightly different. Mm-hmm. And it was, I could tell that it it was in demand. So I then found a manufacturer to help me. I started sewing the belts in my fraternity house. It was a co-ed fraternity. Oh my gosh. And I didn't want people to know I was doing it because I didn't think they'd buy anything that I was hand making. So I, my dad gave me labels from one of his businesses when he was at Princeton. Um, he sold extra, extra large man tailored shirts to women at all the women's colleges and they would wear them and tie them in knots. And, you know, so your belly was out. It was a yeah. very cool style. So I, the, the label was Tally Ho Designs. And I just grabbed his labels. I'd glue them on the back of the belts. I'd sew by night, you know, when everybody was at late night and totally blacked out, I'd be <laughs> in the machine with a beer and my parrot, who became the logo for the company, uh, mm-hmm. making belts. And then I'd bring them out and I'd say that I was the rep for Tally Ho Designs. And everybody's like, oh my God, these are amazing. So I just started making a ton of money sewing by night and the business was created at Trinity. That is so cool. I love your entrepreneurial spirit there and like how smart you were to be like, you know what, if they know that I'm sewing this, they're probably not going to buy it. So I'm going to make it into a brand then um, and sell it to them. Yeah. I mean, I really had to keep clean up my sewing skills to make it, you know, to make them pass. But yes, they fell for it. (laughs) Okay. So then did you graduate and you're still running um, the business at that point? Did you add? Yeah, no. Like, tell me next steps. Right. So next step, I graduated and all I wanted to do was go to fashion school because now I sort of opened this door. I was interested in fashion and I wanted to go to Parsons in New York. And my father was like, absolutely not. He said, you go out in the real world and, and, and get a real job or start your business. Like there's no reason you need to go to school to learn what you're already doing. And I was very disappointed, but I'd been making money. So I moved to Newport, Rhode Island, where we would go often and sort of part for part of the summer. And I had a bunch of belts. I had my sewing machine. I had my car. And I would just sell literally out of my trunk, which is, you know, like a, tr- a literal trunk show everywhere <laughs> I went, you know, to pay my bills to buy more grow grain. I'd open up the back of my car and there were 
I also did a lot of tote bags then. So, you know, every girl had an LL Bean tote. Yeah. And I just covered them with fabric and put grow grain on the handles and people were obsessed. So I found somebody who used to make sails, um, like for sailboats, and she would sew the totes for me. And so I, I really started making, you know, a bit of money selling person to person. But then all these people from Trinity would go to Nantucket, the vineyard, their summer spots and be wearing whatever they bought from me at school. And before you know it, stores were calling me left and right. And they were calling me because nobody else was doing this, right? Yeah. I was the only one. The only thing you could get from Brooks Brothers was navy blue and Kelly green. Mm-hmm. I had like a whole candy store of colors and different things. So before you knew it, wholesale accounts were banging on my door and I had to figure that out, you know, how to mass produce as opposed to me sitting <laughs> with a little singer sewing machine (laughs) to try to catch up with orders. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. And I also think it's funny, the things you mentioned, like um, the L.L. Bean totes were big back then, or like the Gucci loafers, because that's having a full moment again, which is so funny how everything comes in full circle, right? Yes. Well, do do you think the belt should come back? (laughs) Yes, I think so, honestly. (laughs) Um, okay, so you are, you know, getting some wholesale accounts now at that point. Um, then then what was next? Were you just, you know, continuing to go through wholesale? Did you open your store at that point? Um, what was the next progression? I know eventually you closed your business for a little bit. So talk to me about the journey from there to closing, and then we'll talk about reopening. So the belts took off. And I think, you know, I might have sold a million belts in 2001. And Preppy came in. Yeah. So the, there was a huge help, right? When all of a sudden, InStyle Magazine, Vogue, they were all asking me to send them samples. So all of a sudden, when it goes in fashion, something that's just sort of a cult thing becomes huge, right? And everybody yeah. from every walk of life and every town wants preppy. And so the business just exploded. And I very quickly got a store on East 83rd Street between second and third, you know, sort of off the beaten path. It might've even been second and first. Mm -hmm. And we would sew in the back, we'd ship out of the back and people could come in, but it wasn't as if the store was actually, you know, I don't think I could pay my bills from people walking in the shop. And that lasted a couple of years. And then very quickly, I moved to Lexington and 74th street where I was for 10 years. And that was amazing. That was great storefront. And I started designing clothing. So after moving to New York, I found the manufacturers to do the belts, the the tote bags. Actually, the tote bags were still till the end done by the sale maker in Connecticut, which was great. Um, but I discovered somebody that would make these clothes. And, you know, it was <laughs> I found a factory from a guy that used to race in Newport on a sailboat. And somehow he was actually running a women's clothing manufacturing production. Oh so he started making dresses for me and again everybody buying the belts wanted whatever i was whatever i was doing they mm-hmm. wanted it they wanted and, the whole look yeah they wanted everything you know rever- it was for me it was reversible ball skirts it was really you know you you wonder how my designs evolved it just it, they just evolved with my life right like mm-hmm. what do i need what's missing what am I doing that requires, you know, I wanted everything reversible because if I like spilled a drink, I could just flip it over. Or <laughs> if I, you know, went sledding or, you know, decided to go sliding down a muddy grass hill at the New York Yacht Club, I could, I could 
flip it over and not be grass stained anymore. It, it was, it was um, clothing that had a real purpose mm-hmm. and the purpose was fun. So that. that evolved very quickly. And the store did well. 2008 hit. There was, you know, if we can recall, there was that big downturn and yeah. we sort of survived it until 2010, but I was done with New York City. Mm-hmm. And I was done with the boys in New York City. I was done with the bars in New York City. I was just done and wanted to be out West. I wanted to ski. And knowing that I only know how to you know, create companies, I didn't know how to do that without designing something that would bring me out West. Okay. So that was how Operate was born. We closed the New York City shop. Everything got moved to Newport. Retail continued in Newport. The warehouse, which I am sitting in right now, um, continued to be our warehouse. But I closed officially in 2010. It was actually 10-10-10, October 10th, 2010. Yeah. And then the ski line happened very quickly. You know, it was really hard for me to close one creative project and not have another. And so Opre was, you know, my favorite part of skiing, right? What do you do after skiing? <laughs> the of, best part. Of us, right? Many of us ski to Opre. Um, and are you a skier? A little bit, but not very well. So the Opre is definitely more my jam. <laughs> right, right. Well, you like to look good. Exactly. Yeah. So that happened. I rented an Airstream. Oh, gosh, it was so much fun. Um, inspired by a vintage 1970s sort of, I'd been collecting ski suits and my mother had these amazing ski suits and I just wanted women to look like Bond women on the slopes, not these frumpy, like, oh, loose, bulgy clothing that was all black and gray or red. And so that's what Opre was. The world wasn't ready or the world, the ski world, which is very small, was not ready for Opre. There were, you know, a few people that, and by a few, I mean, you know, call it a (laughs) hundred, Maybe a hundred customers that just were obsessed, but it was really, it was the most fun I've had in my entire life. Aw, you kind of needed that refresh, something different for a little bit, you know? It was a dream come true. We didn't have enough money. I mean, we didn't have money. We didn't have enough money to pay for food or ski lift tickets. Usually the mountains gave us everything because they were like, you guys, this is crazy. What, what do you want? You know, here are lift tickets. Here's a helmet. I'll never forget going to Gorsuch in, in Vail. And they're like, we're going to outfit you. Like, here are helmets. We've never seen any ski suits like this. Like, these are crazy. Yeah. Of course, of course they're in style now. Yeah. <laughs> we're ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah, really. 10 years way. You know, I really missed the ball there. But okay. Yeah. So then you had Opre, and then when did you decide to start CK Bradley up again then? So Opre was not a financial success at all. It was just a life success. A life success, yes. Yes. And because I actually ended up meeting my husband on one of my jaunts to San Francisco. So I I closed because it was time to have children. I was 36. I don't know how old I was. But- it was it was time to shift gears and get that done. And I was just tired. Yeah. And so CK Bradley closed from 2000. Well, I did a custom thing for a little bit. It was called Camilla Bradley. And I did custom dresses and ball gowns and wedding dresses for people oh, wow. for a couple of years. But that's that wasn't a 
a big money maker either. It just sort of kept me in the game with my factories. Okay. And then 2013, it's my lucky number, I incorporated again, but didn't really actually start until I had my second child, Beau. And when he was one year old, I was like, oh my God, the world is missing pom-pom hats. Like nobody <laughs> made a pom-pom hat. They just weren't in style. And having lived in Aspen for a few years, I was like, I don't understand. The East Coast doesn't know these things exist. Like I yeah. have to bring them back. The only place you can get them is on eBay. So I, st- I learned how to knit. I bought this huge machine and you could like, you know, just use your hands to knit these hats back and forth and put in patterns. And I sold a ton of them enough. I think I made $9,000 in hats Christmas of 2015. Yeah. And that was enough for me to put a down payment on dresses. So then the next thing I knew, I had Genevieve, who had um, somebody who'd worked for me from when she was out of college in maybe 2002, she started with me. Okay. Uh, and she'd been with me on and off, but more on than off. And she came back and joined the ranks. And I, in 2015, I was like, I'm selling hats. I need your help packing them. And I think we're going to, I'm going to start CKB again. And she's like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was, it was great. So we sort of continued where we'd left off and, uh, you know, I might've designed six dresses, of course, as life would have it, Genevieve finds a store cause she liked, she liked doing retail. Mm-hmm. So we put the dresses in a store and invited other designers to be part of the shop. And that's where we started again. So I started again in 2015 or 16. And it was really because there was a void. Like, I don't need, I have no desire to design just to design. I Mm -hmm. only design because I think there's something missing. Mm -hmm. So, and I wish I could say I designed to make money. I I don't. (laughs) It's such a You design beautiful pieces. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which, so based on that then, um, what do you think makes your brand so special or what do you hear from your customers? I mean, I love your pieces because they're colorful and happy and um, I love the unique prints, but like, what are you hearing from your customers or what's your unique um, point of view on it? When I hear from a customer that their grandmother wears it, their mother wears it, their favorite dresses from it, and their little, you know, and their teenager wears it. I, it's a home run. So to me, it's it's designing. I don't think there's a word. I have to really discover what it is. It's not, Is it timeless? Is it classic? Classic is so boring. You know, it's just that what I design is current today and should be current in 10 years mm-hmm. or 20 years. There's nothing that is so in style that it would ever be out of style. I really, um, it's just, it's how I design. It's just stands the test of time. So when I hear that multi-generations are all finding something, it, it might not be the same style. It likely isn't, but they can all find something spanning the generations. I, it's like, yes, yeah. that is, that is, you know, music to my ears. So that's my goal. And that's what I love to hear. I don't, I don't read fashion magazines. I don't watch TV. My design, like it comes from, I don't know, my mother's clothes that I have hanging in this warehouse next to me. It comes from closing my eyes and dreaming. It comes from traveling. So I think what makes CK Bradley different is that I'm really not 
I'm not looking where most people are looking. Yeah. You know, our reps would be like, well, what are the colors? What are colors that are in this year? I'm like, I don't care. Don't tell me or tell me yeah. so I don't use them. Exactly. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with trends. And I love that. I think that's what makes it unique. And you said classic. I think what's classic are the silhouettes, if that makes sense. Like the shapes of the pieces mm-hmm. are classic, but then I think the twist are the fun colors and the unique prints. Um, so I love how you bring those two together. Thank you. So would you say then the best form of marketing for you has been sort of word of mouth, like that one customer who loves your piece then tells all of her friends or then buys a piece for her mom and her daughter? Um, What's worked for you in terms of marketing, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing better. It's just Mm -hmm. my customers. My customers are you know, I can I can put Facebook ads all day long, but it's the customer that's selling selling yeah. it and could not be, you know, a better <laughs> a better place to sell the product when somebody loves something, you know, it, it just it spreads like wildfire. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what's the hardest part about what you do? Like being an entrepreneur, being a designer, what's what's the part that's hard for you there? Uh Managing people, <laughs> you know, as we grow, there are a lot of personalities, a lot of different jobs to be done. I'm not very emotional. I, I again, I, I, I blame or I thank my father for this. I don't. I'm not a typical female, so I might come across as it, it's just. I think I'm a good manager, but it's not what I like to do. Yeah. So managing people. Oh man. Um, <laughs> I. A lot of people, though, I feel the same feel the yes, same way about that. Yes, that's, yes, that's the yes. hard part. Yeah, and, and finding that balance of not being too mean but too nice, where you still get respect. So you're not yes. alone there. Yes, no, <laughs> common common difficulties. <laughs> On the flip side to that, then, what's your favorite part or the best part about what you get to do? I mean, I love coming to work. I love it, and there are days when. You know, I still do. I do all of our numbers, mm-hmm. uh, and I design the prints and design the line. So it's it's very different. I have you know, I've got to, I've had to make one side of my brain do better with numbers than it likes to. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the diversity of what what I get to do every day. I just love it, and I love telling my kids that you know, they're like, why do you work so much? Why do I work so much? Why? I don't even know that it's work. <laughs> you know, I really love what I do. And, and I love that it's so flexible so that I can be with my kids on an, you know, really as much as I think I would want to be if I were staying at home. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, we all <laughs> at some point stay at home moms, which have the hardest job on earth are like, God, I wish I had a job, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. God, I could really use someplace to go. Um, so I just am really grateful for the work family balance that I can have running my own business. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could have anyone wear CK Bradley, who would it be? Like, whether it's a famous person, uh, a royal, or maybe like, your mom, like it could be someone like some icon even too. You know, it's a, that's a really good question. And I, 
I mean, I've just launched a ski line. So mm-hmm. when I think of that, I'd, I'd, you know, Lindsay Vaughn, it'd be awesome if Lindsay Vaughn wore the ski, the ski pants and jacket or the onesie. But I, there aren't that many, I, it's not a, it's not something that I actually could answer. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That's you know, fair if, 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 if a Royal or I just don't even know, like, you know, the girls will come in here. You can ask them. I have no idea who's married to whom. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I don't know if they have children or not. You know, I mean, I know Camilla's in the news because I share her name, but that's about <laughs> all. I so I don't think of famous people as any different than my friends. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't mean that that sounds weird, but I just, it's, I'm happy. I'm just, feel so blessed when my friends wear it. I feel so blessed when people I don't know wear it because then I want to be their friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good answer. That's fair. Uh, Since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? So how would you describe Preppy? Well, Preppy was definitely my, my, my palette, my, you know, describing word as I, as we started, it was, our tagline was actually Preppy with a twist. I think as I've evolved, um, it's been less so because Preppy became so popular. And I think I've mentioned it before in this podcast, but if there's anything I don't like to do, it's be um, like other, like whatever, whatever else is going around, right? So if it's trendy, I don't want it. So Preppy has been very trendy for a while. And so I sort of backed away to sort of make my things different, but it's impossible. It's in my DNA. It's in the colors. You know, I mean, there's nothing I make here that somebody that loves preppy things wouldn't say is preppy. However, if you sort of pull it out of a preppy sphere, I think that it can go for a, very, a different customer that doesn't necessarily gravitate towards that style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think preppy's classic. It's timeless. It's never yeah. going to go out of style. It's, it's, you know, it's 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 a style that will always be there, and I think it can be molded and twisted into creating really interesting new versions of it. And I'd say that's, you know, part of what we do. I don't I don't call the line preppy anymore, but God, if I'm looking at it right now, sure, there's a lot of preppy in there. <laughs> I mean, so it's always evolving. Preppy. Yes, it's always yeah. evolving, and it it's never out of style, right? And at the end of the day my, the way I design is to create things that never go out of style. So um, I believe we're aligned with that. Definitely. Now, this might be a hard question, like picking your favorite kid, but what's your favorite piece on your website right now? Well, the thing I'm the most excited about is the ski line. But if I had to pick a dress or, oh, I love the test vest. Mm. It is a take you know, we all had our Patagonia big pile zip ups that I just loved for so long. And I still do. But this is a big pile vest that is so chic. And even if you're wearing leggings, it's almost like you go out to dinner with this vest. (laughs) It makes it really adds a whole level um, to what you usually get from a, you know, a thick piled vest. So the test vest is and it's named after um, the inspiration for it, which is a girl in Newport. So that would be okay. my favorite piece. The Annabelles are just always, I've, we've done them for three years now and they're just sort of always on top of my list. And which are the Annabelles? For the Annabelle say? dress. They're, they're long sleeve. There's a dragon print in multi, which is like a red, which I think will be a great holiday dress. Mm-hmm. 
you know, wear it with boots, heels to dress it up. And it's just comfortable, beautiful, flowy. It's got gold accents in it, little ruffles. It's just a beautiful dress. I think I have that. Do you have it in a green and a blue? Yes. Yeah, I have that one of it. Oh, you I do? It. Yeah. Yes. The green and the blue is great too. It's beautiful. Um, okay. What is next for you? Like, obviously you just said that you guys are launching a ski line um, soon or right now. Is it out? Yeah. It's a collaboration with another brand named Neve. So that's okay. just out, which is very exciting because I, I love to design. I love, you know, if I could design the interiors of cars, home, oh. I would love to design home. Like if Matuk okay. could just say, hey, we want your prints. I'd say, hey. I'll accept. <laughs> yes, I will do that for you. So I'd love to do home. And that's just sort of related to CK Bradley. But as a lot of my close friends know, I am begging for a sort of not a hiatus at all, but um, somebody to help me with design so that I can write. I have a couple of screenplays that I really oh. one day they're going to make amazing movies and they're all true. And, you know, the, my favorite kind of movies are the ones that you watch that are based on a true story and you leave feeling uplifted yeah. and inspired, right, about life. Yeah. So I have two pretty cool stories that have happened in my life and my my pat my family that I just really want to get out there. So it has to do with writing. Oh, that's fun. I can't yeah. wait for this next journey then for you with that. Well, maybe we'll have another. Maybe we'll have another podcast. Yeah, I'll have to have you on about that when that comes out. <laughs> um, so, my final question is: Where can people find your brand? Let them know your website URL and then your social media handles for the brand too. Okay, so the brand is available on ckbradley.com, dot com, mm -hmm. and the we have a store in Newport, Rhode Island, and we love. We are a great place to stop, even if you're not shopping for fabulous things to wear. Um, we're great to stop in and ask where to eat, where to get lunch, where to get your toes done. You know, we love, <laughs> well, we love people that aren't from here. Newport's small. Yeah. And it's really fun to share the insider scoop on where and what to do. Um, and then the handle Instagram is just CK Bradley. And, and then we have our, our boutique, which is CK Bradley boutique. And then the, uh, what else is that? it that, yeah i think yeah. so that's perfect and the boutique is super super pretty and a great location right there by the tennis hall of fame so yes if anyone's in newport they should go and check it out <laughs> yes it is a great spot to stop that whole area it's a beautiful newport so so beautifully art beautiful architecturally you know Definitely. it's really all right well thank you camilla this has been so fun learning more about you and your brand and i'm excited for what's next for you well thank you patricia i've enjoyed i love i love being asked questions so <laughs> thanks for the opportunity and i'm pleased to be here thank you so much for listening to the preppy podcast i hope this put a little prep in your step for the day Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 